0: All right, like I said, I want to welcome everybody. Thank you for joining us today. If you have a cellular device that you have already not put on silent, we'll ask you to take a moment to do so right now. We do record the sermons for podcast and so there's been some flash flood warnings. The last thing we want is the flash warn warning coming across going ee, ee. <laughs> All right. Now we're going to be in the book of Judges, Judges Chapter Thirteen, Verses One through Twenty Five. Is what we'll actually be looking at now. I talked, you know, we said what starts tomorrow, right? School. Now, depending on what school district you are, some have actually been in school since the beginning of August. And on Facebook, I was watching everybody was getting ready for school. You know, kids that I remember when they were born, or or I babysit it when where they were two, are now in like sixth grade, and I'm going what? but they're all getting ready to go back to school right and our kids here they're getting ready to go to school tomorrow and some of them they may be going to school for the first time they may be going into a new grade hopefully we hope right and some of them may be moving from like elementary to middle school or even middle school to high school which is always an interesting transition in itself right But the one thing I've noticed, especially in ministry with young people, is that school is a vastly different place than what I'm used to, or even what I did, right? There are so many different problems that it's completely different. with Leo Mm -hmm. we upgraded to Windows 10 don't do that you change this thing so that it doesn't lock until like forever when it's plugged in and it still locks after five minutes (laughs) and then it don't let you in but it's changing now granted it's been 15 years since I was in school but I find it kind of hard to realize how much things have changed. You know, when we take our teenagers to camp and they talk about the things they deal with in school and I'm going, oh my goodness, really? But we still have a responsibility no matter how much things change. Now, how many of us have children of our own? Anybody? Show of hands, who has their own kids? All right, show of hands, who does not have children, or at least school-aged children anymore? So, if your children are all done and grown, I th- you probably think you're done, right? Or if you've never had children, they're not your responsibility, right? Wrong. I'm sorry, that's wrong. It's like a... S- because and we've talked about this before we as a community as a family of christians our family now let's be honest now if you're an only child you may have to use your imagination a little bit more than normal but if your brother or sister's child start misbehaving do you go oh that is your that's my sister's problem that's my brother's problem or do you say You stop that right now right because they're family that's what families do right they correct one each other and teach them the way they're supposed to be we're a family of believers we're supposed to correct one another and teach one another on how we should live our lives and so this week during our school for the soul Segment for this month. We're going to look at an example that we could follow. Now, we've seen that some of you guys already had kids. By show of hands, how many of you guys, when your kids came along, thought that you had it all figured out? I've seen a couple of hands. So let's be honest. After you had them, for a few months how many of you realized you didn't know anything <laughs> that's what i thought <laughs> we read in judges about a family wonderful husband wife couple expecting a child and they knew that he would be special so, if you will, in whatever method you are going to use, whether it be a smart device or the paper version that we provided in the pew, go ahead and look at Judges. We mentioned it, Judges chapter 13. Starting with verse 1, we're going to just look at the, now, I'm going to be reading from the Holman Christian Standard Bible, it's a translation, but if you look at verse 1, we talk about school for the soul, school, you know, part of learning is learning from our mistakes, unfortunately, in verse 1 we realize that learning from mistakes is something the Israelites have not figured out yet. They all needed to go back to school because it says, the Israelites again did what was evil in the Lord's sight. And then, so the Lord handed them over to the Philistines for 40 years. In other words, if they were in school, they did wrong and broke the rules and got detention for, or not even detention, what do they call it now? ISD or something like that? ISS, in school suspension. They got ISS for 40 years. And this wasn't even the first time. Because did you see that word? The Israelites, again. That's like those students who have records where, you know, you can only get ISS so many times before they're like, yeah, we don't, we're going to send you to alternative school. The Israelites, there was an alternative school, so there was no way for them. Maybe the Philistines weren't ISS, maybe they were the alternative school. God was trying to teach them something. Unfortunately, they never even learned it over there. It sank in for a while, they did what they were supposed to, and then they forgot. But then it starts saying this there was a certain man from Zora from the family of Dan whose name was Mano. His wife was unable to conceive and had no children. In a world that was crazy, they probably thought they were kind of lucky, right? But an angel of the Lord appeared to the woman and said to her, It is true that you are unable to conceive and have no children, but you will conceive and give birth to a son. And it says, Now please be careful not to drink wine or beer or to eat anything unclean, for indeed you will conceive and give birth to a son. And you must never cut his hair, because the boar will be a Nazarite to God from birth, and he will begin to save Israel from the power of the Philistines. Now, first of all, Does anybody have a clue of who we may be talking about? Whose parents? Samson, that's right. Now, pick up in verse 6, it says, Then the women went and told her husband, A man of God came to me. He looked like an all-aspiring angel of God. I didn't ask him where he came from, and he didn't tell me his name. He said to me, you will conceive and give birth to a son. Therefore, do not drink wine or beer, or do not any, eat anything unclean, because the boy will be a Nazarite to God from birth until the day of his death. Now, I imagine a lot of dialogue, whether internally or between Moan and his wife, happen between verses 7 and verses 8. Maybe even some internal dialogue where he goes, Really? We are not equipped to do with this. We don't know how to raise somebody who's going to be the savior of his people. To free us from captivity. How do we raise someone who is essentially going to be good? What do we do as parents to raise a good person? A godly person. Well, you can start off with doing what he did. Verse 8: Manoah prayed to the Lord and said, Please, Lord, let the man of God you sent come again to, t- to us and to teach us what we should do for the boy who will be born. He's like, I don't know what we're going to do. Send the angel to us, give us instruction. On how to raise your child this child verse 9 God listened to him and the angel of God came again to the woman, and she was sitting in the field and her husband was not with her she ran quickly to him and told him the man who came to me today has just come back so he got up and he followed his wife and when he came to the man he asked are you the man who spoke with my wife he said I am then he then said When your words come true, what will the boy's responsibility and mission be? Don't we want to know what the purpose is for our children? Don't we want it to be something good? Don't we want to be the ones to help them achieve it? To give them the steps for success that they need? That's what he's asking. He's like, if he's going to have a purpose, what will it be? And he's probably thinking, that way we can guide him in preparation for it the angel of the lord answered your wife needs to do everything i told her she must not eat anything that comes from the grapevine or drink wine or beer and she must not eat anything unclean your wife must do everything i have commanded her and so he's like yeah thank you let's prepare a young goat to feed you but the lord says if i the angel of the lord said if i stay i won't eat your food but if you want to prepare a burnt offering to the Lord, you can do so. And so, and then it says, Manoah didn't even know that he was an angel of the Lord. And so he says, "What is your name that we may honor you when your words come true?" And he goes, "Why do you ask my name?" The angel of the Lord asked him, "Since it is wonderful." So Manoah took a young goat and he g- grain offering and he offered them. On a rock to the Lord. And he did a wonderful thing. Well, Manor and his wife were watching. When the flame went up to the altar to the sky, the angel of the Lord went up in the flame. And that's when their eyes were open, it seems. Because then they fell down, face down on the ground. And the angel of the Lord did not appear again to them. Now. What i want us to take from that is very simple when they realized that they were being given a gift from god they asked god we don't want to waste this gift we don't want to squander this gift we don't want to misuse this gift we don't want to abuse this gift how would you have us use it But in this case, the gift is a child, which all children are truly, a gift from the Lord, right? And so they're saying as parents, we don't want to ever misuse this child from which you have divined something wonderful. We don't ever want to abuse him. We don't ever want to steer him wrong, lead him wrong. We don't want to equip him for failure. And so what can we do how would you have us to raise him? And as parents, that's actually a great thing for us to ask. Lord, how would you have me raise, not our children, but his children? What would you have me do? What would you have me teach them? They go to school, and they learn, what do they used to call it? Reading, writing, and arithmetic? But unfortunately, in today's society, that's not all they're learning. In fact, sadly enough, <laughs> what they're learning that's not even on the curriculum is what's sticking with them more than what they spend eight hours learning. from the first bell in the morning to the dismissal bell in the end to whatever bus they may be riding to go home they are picking up things that if we as parents don't speak out against them if we as parents are acting proactively to offset the damage that's being done to them then we are going to lose the battle for our children it said again the Israelites did evil in the eyes of the Lord so the Lord delivered them into the hands of the Philistines for 40 years the Israelites of all people God's chosen people we know of the miracles that were performed for them the parting of the sea the manna from heaven We know and believe these miracles 2,000 years or more plus, right? But back then, it was probably only a couple hundred years from when it had happened. And yet, they seemed to still forget it. When they didn't know where their next meal was coming, they would conveniently forget that God was the one who makes brain raiding down from heaven, so that they would not starve. And sometimes we can lose sight of that. Society as a whole lose sight of that. We choose who we will serve. And as adults, whether we're parents or not, we help train up the children. And it's time for us as a family of believers, as Christians, to stand up, unite it, and set an example because they're getting an example already and honestly it's more united than we are they have better propaganda they do a better job of getting their point across and too many times we've faded silently in the background well we want to be politically correct we don't want to offend anybody. It doesn't mind that by their some people's very behavior, they're not offending us, they're offending God. It's not in our place to condemn people. What is our place is to teach people, especially the children, what God says is right and wrong. It doesn't say that the Israelites did wrong in the eyes of the Israelites, or even that they did wrong in the eyes of the Philistines. They did wrong. They did evil in the eyes of the Lord. He's the true judge. Our job is to prepare not only our lives for that judgment, but to instruct the future generations. He cares about us, though. That's what he wants us to be delivered. He wasn't necessarily punishing them and leaving them. They were only sentenced to the Philistines for how many years? He didn't say, you know what, I'm tired of you guys. This is your third strike. Just go live with the Philistines and be their slaves for the rest of your life. He didn't write them off. There was a time limit. He figured, you know what? You guys got 40 years. By then, somebody should learn a lesson they need to learn. And we know that that 40 years is what? That's what it took Samson to come and deliver his people. He already had a plan. Let us not be too hasty to write people off. Because God didn't. Dude. Dude. There is a reason I am not God. Because I read what the Israelites did and I would get so frustrated with them. He probably felt like we do with children sometimes going, oh my gosh, if I have to tell you one more time. You ever said those words? If I have to tell you one more time, you are not going to like what happens. And yet sometimes in our infinite patience that Can only come from God and his love that he shows us that one more time does evolve into like 15 more times and then we're just like oh my goodness but we have that example to follow when we need support and strength need encouragement there is power though in prayer that's what Samson's parents understood they didn't know necessarily what path would lay ahead of them. But they knew that God had chosen him to deliver them. And so they prayed. Anyone tell me another instance of a parent praying when they find out that they're going to give birth to a special child? It's in the New Testament. We even think of it as a song. Mary. Mary. She finds out that she's going to give birth to not just a Deliverer, but THE Deliverer with all capital letters. Her heart's so overfull with the responsibility that's given to her that she stops to pray. You know, and she's thankful for being chosen, but she also wants to make sure, you know. I've been given a heavy responsibility May I live up to it. May I live worthy. And we, whether we're parents or not, if we have young ones in our lives, we have all been given a heavy responsibility to be examples of what a Christian looks like. To be an example of what God looks like here on earth. to show God's love to those who need it. And the reason Christians are getting such a bad rap lately is because we've forgotten that last part. If we could remember that part more than anything else, we'd be in a good place. But let us remember to pray Because even if they grow up and wander away from the Lord, we're told in Proverbs, train up a child in the way they shall walk. And when they are older, they will not depart from it. We look at that verse though nowadays and we sit here and go, yeah, no. We kind of don't think it's true, right? But the Bible also gives us examples of it being true they may stray but they don't leave it behind we have the story of the prodigal son and let's be honest there's been a lot of prodigal sons and daughters since then to prove the point some of us in this audience may have been our very own prodigal son or daughter where we wandered away from what we grew up knowing. We wandered away from the truth that we were given. But just like the Israelites weren't left wandering in the wilderness for forever. When we ask to come back to the Lord. Just like the prodigal son asked to come back to his father. We are accepted. And welcomed. Let us train up a child and the way they should walk, praying for guidance, praying for them. Before we invite the kids back in, I want us to take some time in prayer. Because what we need to do before we can even pray for them is commit ourselves to that. Commit ourselves to praying for them. commit ourselves to praying to God for the wisdom to guide them, the words to speak, the patience to teach. So that when the opportunity does come, when we are given that choice, we are prepared. We have been instructed. We have prayed just like Samson's father had so that when the time comes for our child the children to fulfill the purpose God has for them they can do what Samson did if you're familiar with this story you know Samson too had his own prodigal son moment where he wandered away he trusted the wrong woman he got caught up in it but he realized the errors of his ways And was able to finally fulfill the purpose God had for them. He delivered his people. And so let's take some time in prayer to commit ourselves to praying that. That we may be delivered. But that we may help deliver others as well. that we may lead them and guide them direct their paths so that when the time comes for them to fulfill the purpose they have for the Lord we know that we have given everything we have given them the steps and the tools that they needed to be order to be able to fulfill that we're gonna listen to that song again about how he knows our name he has a purpose for us so that we can claim that victory in our lives and pray that he will use us as his instrument to help the children fulfill it. And as it plays, we'll have them come back in.